Hey everybody, it's Pastor James. Welcome back to our Mimic Bible Study. We are starting chapter 7 today, and Solomon revisits this warning of immoral women. And apparently, this seems to be a huge struggle for his sons, or at least Solomon was concerned that it could be, as he goes back to reinforce his teachings on avoiding immoral women. So let's read together verses 1 through 5, and we'll talk about it. Follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. Tie them on your fingers as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Love wisdom like a sister. Make insight a beloved member of your family. Let them protect you from an affair with an immoral woman, from listening to the flattery of a promiscuous woman. So once again... We see that Solomon is encouraging his sons to listen and treasure the advice and commands that he is giving them. Now, verse 2 calls his sons and us as readers to obey his commands. And um, I just kind of want to share this with you today. I, I think when you read scripture, number one, you, you have to take into context that, yeah, this is Solomon. He is writing this. He, he keeps referring to his sons, so obviously he's writing this to his sons. But at the same time, when we look at Scripture, we have to believe that all Scripture is breathed by God. That even though Solomon may have meant this for his sons, that God was speaking to Solomon. He was speaking through Solomon. And Solomon is communicating wisdom and a message that the Lord has given him to his sons. And that's why... It's been able to be canonized as Scripture, as the infallible Word of God. And also, uh, that's why we can use it today as part of God's Word. So, if you just consider it as Solomon's commands, then you can gain wisdom that God has given to Solomon to pass on to his sons and even to us. But if you take it a step further and you treat this proverb or these proverbs... As the very Word of God, which we as Christians claim that we believe Scripture is, all of Scripture, all of the Bible, is the Word of God. And if you can imagine that God is speaking through Solomon as a prophet, which is very likely the case in this because we do consider this God's infallible Word, that God is calling us. So we put ourselves in the position of being the son. Even if you're a female, even if you're a woman, while you're reading this, you, you put yourself in the position of being the child of the author who's writing this, whether you consider that Solomon or God, because this is God's word and it's speaking to us. And so we have to apply this to our lives and we have to believe that this is God's word. So you can, you can look at it from one of two ways. You can read it as Solomon's instructions to his son, which you can gain wisdom from. Or you can read this and interpret it as God's instructions to you as an individual. And God is saying, obey my commands. And I think that's very, uh, very applicable because when you look at all of Scripture, it calls us as followers of God to always be obedient um, from Old Testament to New Testament, obedience is the measure upon which how much we love God. How obedient we are to He and His laws determines how much we truly love Him. 
Now, what's interesting is that if you obey, then Scripture says you will live. And when we see that all through Scripture, you, you got to remember there are no absolutes. Um, we talked about this. Proverbs are not just absolute promises, but they are more along the line of principles. And so if you are obedient and you honor God, generally um, you live longer. And I can say that as, as a believer in Christ, growing up in the world for the first 16 years of my life and seeing the sins uh, that my friends committed and sins and things that other people did, and then being saved and being in the church for the past 20 years, I can honestly tell you that the people, the majority of people who have given their heart to Christ and follow God are living longer and living healthier than uh, most of the people I knew who have not given their heart to Christ because they've died from drug overdoses, they've died from uh, car wrecks, DUIs, um, they are experiencing health issues. I have uh, a few friends who are dealing with some health issues just from bad choices in, in health and diet and life choices. I mean, it's just, it's amazing to see that if you honor God from a, uh, from a principle, uh, from a general principle, if you honor God and obey his commands, you will live longer and you will have a healthier and happier life. You will experience the blessings of God and you will get to look forward to eternal life, which is even better. You get to live eternally. And we're also being told uh, by Solomon or by the Lord, if you will, to guard these instructions as we would guard our own eyes. Now, a lot of times we don't really think about what we do to protect our eyes, but God has given us some wonderful instincts and natural reactions to guard them. And if someone even pretends to hit you or throw something at you, if they even act like it, what do you do? You, you flinch, you blink. Um, you naturally guard your eyes more than you ever realize it. And um, if the wind blows dust in your face, you squint, you close your eyes, you turn away so that you protect it. It's like you don't realize that what you do as a natural reaction, although it may involve the 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 your body as a whole, it is in essence to guard your eyes. And they're two of the most valuable things that you possess, and we treat them with the utmost care whether you realize it or not, just in a daily basis. And another interesting fact is that we also we take them for granted. You know, it's like we don't really consider uh, a lot of times how terrible it would be if we lost our sight, if we lost our eyes. Um, we, we care for them more than we realize. We protect them more than we realize it just because God's given us those natural instincts in that. But we have to be careful not to take them for granted because we do. And in the same way, we take our spiritual uh, lives, you know, our heart and our soul for granted as well. And we have to be very careful uh, not to allow ourselves to take them for granted, but to take care of them. We have to obey. We have to treasure. We have to follow and guard the teachings of God so that we can have an abundant physical life and an eternal spiritual life. And so, you know, when it comes to the spiritual aspect of our lives, we don't, there's not that same instinct in us to guard our spirituality. In fact, it's the very opposite. Our instinct is to sin. Our instinct is to uh, wander from the Lord. But we have to purposefully choose God and turn to Him and 
be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can guard our spiritual lives and experience that abundant physical and eternal spiritual life. So, verse 3 talks about tying these things on your finger as a reminder. And if you think about the concept of tying something on your finger, I mean, just consider a wedding ring. It, it, it is, or at least should be, a clear message to others that you are already committed, that you have an obligation, that you are taking. And it's really a reminder for yourself um, because you see it every day. And every time you put your hand on a hard surface, it taps the surface and makes a noise. And sometimes you get it hung on things and, and maybe you uh, play with it because it's there and it's just something to mess with whenever you're bored or you're just thinking about something. Um, I know for me, whenever I'm working around the house or if I'm doing something on the side, uh, it becomes uncomfortable sometimes. And uh, we need to be reminded of God's laws. And Solomon wants his sons to be reminded of God's laws and uh, his own teachings daily. And for us as believers, we have to make a decision. You remember, we're not uh, as prone to guard our spiritual lives as we are our eyes, but we should consciously remind ourselves to to guard our spiritual lives and also to remind ourselves of God's laws and of the teachings of Solomon because they will help us in life. And so if we remind ourselves of them, tie it on our finger, and then Solomon also encourages us to write these commands and these teachings on our hearts. And this is a little more metaphoric in nature, but if you think about it, uh, whatever you cherish, um, you commit yourself to. And, and whatever you commit yourself to and you cherish, it, it becomes the most dear thing to you. It becomes who you are. And this is why we talk so much about your salvation in Christ, because um, about being a relationship and a deep love that surpasses understanding, because it must be in your heart. You know, for you to be able to follow Christ, it's not just something that you can just wake up to and decide one day. You know, you you have to have a intense realization of how sinful you are and what the consequences of that sin is and how much you absolutely need Jesus. Now, after you get saved and you give your heart to Christ and you realize how much you need Jesus and then you experience the forgiveness of sin. There's kind of this honeymoon phase in your spiritual life that you are excited and you're just happy to know God and you're happy to be covered by His grace and love and mercy. But as time progresses, something happens. The honeymoon phase comes to an end and you find yourself once again... Uh, Maybe being tempted by things that you haven't been tempted with in a while. Be, being faced with the ability to um, maybe go back to some old friends or rekindle some of those connections or past relationships. And, and then there comes a time where you have to purposefully choose in that moment whether or not you are going to stay with Christ or you're going to go back to what you knew before that was comfortable and enticing. And in that moment, from that point on, as the honeymoon phase in your relationship with Christ is over, there needs to be a deep uh, desire and understanding for you to know God's Word, to know what He wants from you, 
and to really have a close, personal, authentic, uh, just really romantic relationship with the Lord is the best way that I can put it because it's all about your relationship with God. And if Jesus Christ and God's Word isn't in your heart, if it isn't part of who you are and you don't cherish that, then you're not going to make it very far in your walk with Christ. You're, you're always going to struggle. At best, you're going to struggle. If not, you're just going to give up. It has to become part of who you are. And this is why Solomon says, write it on your heart. Let this thing soak in. Let this be about everything that you live for. Because if it's not, you're not going to make it. Now, verse 4 is interesting because in our culture today, it's probably a little more difficult for us to understand as, as many of us see siblings um, as kind of annoying, uh, a nuisance. There's, a lot of times there's jealousy and competition. But during this time as Solomon is writing this, um, and especially with these, uh, these sons um, having different mothers, you know, Solomon had a lot of wives, and, and a lot of times these siblings would have different mothers, and so they might have the same father but they would have different mothers. And so having a full-blood relative would have been something to cherish and kind of feel like you, you may have felt alone in the world, but having someone who was your had the same mother, had the same father, it would be something to cherish in a culture in which uh, people probably didn't live as long as what we live today. You know, it's like there wasn't the health care, there wasn't medicine. There was probably a, a good chance that uh, people people died at young ages from different illnesses and things like that. And, you know, you look and, and Solomon's saying, cherish wisdom like you would a sister. Uh, and that's kind of hard for us to understand. And I know there are some people who have really great relationships with their sisters. Uh, but I can tell you, I, I, have, I feel like I have good relationships with my sisters now. But growing up, man, it was brutal. Um, we were very hard on each other and we annoyed each other and we uh, fought with each other constantly. So Solomon is talking about how much uh, you should love the words of God and the instructions of his mother and father. And um, he's saying, look, you should cherish them as a sister. And, and during this time, uh, we, we miss this, but a brother uh, would have been responsible for his sister if his father passed away. He would have been responsible to care for her. He would have been responsible to arrange her marriage eventually as she came of age. And so there was an expectation that a brother would love and cherish a sister uh, as being a very valuable part of the family. And so Solomon urges his sons to cherish wisdom and insight like a beloved member of the family, like a sister. Um, they are a valuable part. They are an asset if you treat them as you should. And I think that was interesting the way that Solomon refers to it. Now, verse 5 talks about letting wisdom and insight protect you. And you got to remember that Solomon just compared them to a sister. And so how would a sister protect you from another woman? Well, um, I think it's really important to know that, that basically women know women. Um, now, as guys, uh, for the most part, I think it's pretty fair to say that we spend our entire lives trying to figure women out. And we have a really hard time with that. But what's funny is is that women ha have a very keen understanding of other women, and they can see right through a lot of things that many times us as men can't. 
and uh, they have an intuition. They can sniff out another woman that is trouble in a heartbeat. And I can't tell you how many times that I've had uh, my sisters or uh, friends or other female friends that I have that would tell me to watch out for a specific female or uh, stay away from them, stay clear of them, because they can just sense that they are trouble. And so uh, I try to listen to my friends and people and be very on guard in those moments. And um, usually, 99% of the time, those women who are around you in your life who you know love you and they're telling you to be weary of someone, 99% of the time, they're right. So you should listen to them. And um, they can warn you of looming danger that another uh, woman can bring on you. And they can keep you from listening to flattery, uh, the smooth talk that makes us feel good about ourselves, that can easily lead so many of us as men and people in general astray. But if you have wisdom and if you have insight, it can cut through the flattery like a sharp fillet knife and expose it for what it really is. It can sift through the junk to make sure that you are with someone who truly cares about you or or it can help you to see whether or not that person is just feeding you flattery to take advantage of you. And Solomon's saying, look, the wisdom, the instructions of God and what I'm giving you, uh, they're like a sister. You should love them. You should cherish them. And at the same time, they can protect you and help you to see what truth really is. And the gist of this teaching is that you, you don't have to focus so much on avoiding an immoral woman. It's not like you should wake up every day and say, okay, today there are flusies out everywhere and I need to avoid them. I'm going to make a conscious effort to avoid flusy women. You don't have to do that. Basically, if you love God, if you love Jesus, if you love God's word, if you are diving into that every day, if you're cherishing it, if you're writing it on your heart, if you're following uh, the commands of the Lord, if you love wisdom and insight, then you will effortlessly avoid an immoral woman because the temptation that she offers you won't even be appealing. You're not going to put yourselves in places where immoral women are. Now, I, want, I always have to make a disclaimer on things because I know there are times that you may cross paths with an immoral woman unknowingly or unwillingly or you know the opportunity to sin you you can take this as any kind of sin or just an immoral woman if you're a woman listening today this could just be an immoral man that you might cross paths with you might not purposely put yourself in a position uh, but you just by chance might come along one well I want to tell you that if you follow the Lord and if you love him and if you cherish his commands for the most part you are going to avoid most of the situations upon which you would find yourself engaging with these people in any sort of conversation or crossing paths. You will avoid that because you're going to avoid those situations and those places and those times. But if you do by chance just cross paths with one and they do flatter you and they do come on to you and they do try to entice you to sin if your heart's in tune with God and if his word is written on your heart, you're not going to fall for that because you're going to be focused on God. So you don't have to focus on avoiding an immoral or a flucy woman. You just focus on the Lord and basically Solomon's saying this will take care of itself. All right, let's read verses 6 through 15 and then we'll finish up for today.
Solomon says, while I was at the window of my house looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men and one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. It was at twilight in the evening as darkness fell. The woman approached him seductively dressed in sly of heart. She was the brash, rebellious type, never content to stay at home. She is often in the streets and markets, soliciting in every corner. And She threw her arms around him and kissed him, and with a brazen look, she said, I've just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. You're the one I was looking for. I came out to find you, and here you are. All right. Well, we're going to stop right there for today, and we're going to finish talking about this section as we end up. But at the beginning of this chapter, Solomon is enforcing past teaching, and he continues to do that starting in verse 6, but it's a little different than he has done before. And he gives an example this time of, of what he witnesses from his window. And this is interesting as Solomon seems to have been a people watcher. You know, it's like he's staring out his window and he's just watching people. And that's not surprising, seeing as how much he loved wisdom, and he loved learning, and we can learn a lot of what to do and what not to do from watching other people. I encourage you to do this. If you are bored, rather than watching TV or playing video games or something like that, just go out in public and have a seat somewhere and just watch people. Watch how they act. Watch how they treat one another. And you will really learn a lot about what to do and what not to do. But while Solomon is people watching, he witnesses this uh, young, naive man. And it, they're not necessarily dumb. I think it's important that we, we understand that these are not just dumb young men. But uh, they're just uneducated to the ways of the world and how wicked people can be, okay? Uh, you know, there's a big difference between book smarts and street smarts. Uh, and teaching and doing youth ministry over the years, I've seen a lot of kids who are extremely intelligent in books in school with no common sense. And then I've seen a lot of kids who are very uh, intelligent, have a lot of common sense, and very capable of a lot of things, but just didn't do well in school. And so there's a big difference between the two. But one in particular, Solomon notes, was a little denser. He, he was missing a little more than the rest of them. And uh, this immoral woman that he's crossing paths with, she smells blood. And, and I think that's really important to understand that, um, you know, sinful, immoral people are kind of like predators. They know who the weakest in the pack is and they prey off of the weakest because they know they can be manipulated and easily taken advantage of and this woman stalks her prey and like an experienced predator she goes after the weakest link and the easiest to kill and take notice that the woman is seductively dressed um, the first attempt to lure in someone with immorality was to be appealing to the eye and one of the greatest battles that a man will face, no matter how old he is, whether young or old, will be fighting the, the urge and uh, the, uh, the availability of what their eyes look at. Because let's be honest, today 
women dress more provocatively today than they ever have before in existence. I mean, um, you know, sh the showing of skin, the types of outfits, the, the way the outfits fit. And, uh, I mean, it's just, it's a really difficult time to, to live as a man and to be moral and to live in purity when Jesus said, you know, if you lust after a woman, you've already, with your eyes, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And so it's a really difficult time because it's constantly there and it's constantly available. And immoral women know this and they use this as a way to advance themselves in many different forms. And in all honesty, guys are no different. I mean, if you look at clothing today, um, guys guys clothing is more provocative than it's ever been um, and it fits in ways to to show off their form and it and skin and things like that and I'm not a big um, you know I don't think that women should have to dress and cover their ankles and their wrists and you know I'm not old school like that I just think it's very noticeable and uh, you have to realize that a lot of people dress in ways to draw attention to themselves and they do that in order uh, to advance themselves in many different ways, whether it's uh, whether they do it for a career or whether they do it for relationships or whether they just do it for attention, whatever it may be. Um, you know, people advance themselves in different ways by using their clothing and their bodies and uh, being seductive. And this woman did that. And she was also Slav Heart. And you got to notice that the cunning and trickery was not just a moment of her actions, but it was part of who she was because it was in her heart. Solomon says she was sly of heart. This is who she is, all right? She, she's a trickster. And you got to remember, Solomon is urging his sons to write their father's instructions, the commands, on their hearts. And so whatever is in our hearts, whatever is on our hearts, that is who we are. And she's not sly because of her actions, but she's sly because what's in her heart. Her actions reveal what is in her heart. And this is why in verse 11, Solomon goes on to talk about her personality. It says that she was the brash and rebellious type. She was never content to stay at home. And she makes it a regular practice to go out to the streets and on the corner and to be immoral and pursue sinful relationships. She was aggressive. She pursued him. She made physical contact by first hugging him and then kissing him. And she is, in essence, a predator. She, she's a sinful predator. And this is not just picking on women or immoral women. This is men, too. There are a lot of men who are predators. They're, they're pursuing women. They make advances whether it be through physical touch or through paying them attention or compliments or telling them whatever they want to hear. It happens on both sides, male and female. And uh, But in this instance, Solomon is warning his son, so we get it from a male perspective. And uh, you got to think about this. Think about how good it would make a young man feel for a woman to come up and say, man, uh, you were the one that I'm looking for. And she pursued him and she hugged him and she kissed him. And he didn't even have to work to do that. And I can tell you as, as, a, as a male growing up, trying to date people, having to ask girls out, having to take them on dates, having to do things in order to, 
feel like you have to win the approval of women in a dating relationship, hoping that it may, uh, you know, bloom into a uh, a marriage one day. It's hard. It's super difficult. And so for a woman to come up and hug a man and to kiss him and to make it easy for him, that would be very flattering. It would be very appealing in a lot of ways. And so this is dangerous. And uh, and even for a girl, um, you, you have to understand that if a man comes along and tells her, oh, she's so beautiful, she's, she's gorgeous, she has the greatest personality, um, he compliments her, he pays her attention, he does nice things for her, he's, he's very comforting to her. And there are a lot of men out there who know exactly what to say and exactly what to do to lure women in and to lead them down a sinful path. And it's a dangerous game to play. In fact, it's dangerous enough to cost you your life and even cost you your soul. And we're going to stop right here today, but next week we're going to finish up this chapter and see what Solomon says awaits this young man who falls into the traps of this immoral predator. Because that's what she is. She's a predator. And there are men who are predators as well. And uh, But I hope and pray today as you read this and you listen and follow along with me, that you will make a commitment in your life to write the words of God on your hearts so that it becomes part of who you are. And as a result, that God's word and his commands will protect and guard you from the vast amounts of immorality that is available to us today. Because it's everywhere. And it's not just sexual immorality. I mean, there's all kinds of immorality that's out there and it's available today. And the word of the Lord and his commands want to protect us from that. It wants to give us life. It wants to give us physical blessings, but it wants to give us eternal life. And that's the most important. So I hope and pray today, as you're listening and following along, that you will commit yourself to the commands of the Lord and follow Him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for another wonderful day, for the opportunity to read your word, to pursue you, to love you, and to cherish you and your your instructions and your commands. And I pray, God, we would write them on our hearts, that you would help us to do that, and uh, that we would live our lives according to your word. We love you today. We thank you so much for all things you've given us. And we ask that you be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks again for tuning in for another week. Thank you for being a part of the Graham Chapel family and a part of the kingdom of God. Tune in this weekend for our video services on Facebook, YouTube, and podcast. As always, we would rather have you in person at our campus. But if not, catch us any way you can. We love you. We're praying for you. Hope you have a great week.